Yeah, everything's made to be broken I just want you to know I am oh. Welcome to another String Sessions, Lindsay Sterling Podcast, edition number Johnny Resnick. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited to have him on today because he is just an iconic rock star. You know him as the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls, and I'm really excited to get into conversations with him because... The music industry has changed so much since, you know, he started his band in 1985. And so I am just sure he's got crazy stories, awesome experiences, and a lot of wisdom. So with no further ado, let's bring on Johnny Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls. Yes. <laughs> Aha! Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I was told to uh, uh, don't wear anything with a logo on it. And, hey, uh, you look perfect. I piled it, so I put tape over the Bethlehem Steel logo on my shirt because, you know, I don't know what's going on over there. So, how are you? I'm good. How are you? It's great to meet you. Great to meet you, too. I'm such a fan. I was so excited when I heard that you were interested to do one of my string sessions. And, you I know, love I'm, it. I'm so excited. Me too. Um, Me too. And you look so cool. You're like in your studio and I'm on like a little child's bed. Like, wow. Well, no, I'm in, I'm actually in uh, East West in the Beach Boy room. Like, so I'm in LA. Oh. Where are you at? So I, I'm with my sister right now. I'm on a farm in Missouri. I'm wow. just kind of hanging out through quarantine in a very yeah. different world. But uh -huh. yeah, well, that's, that's awesome. So yeah, seeing you in a studio makes me like, ooh, it's like, Gets me all excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I just decided that I, we needed to get some, some music working while we could. You know? Yeah. So, so we tell all went me to the doctor. That. Pardon me. Oh, I want to. Well, first, tell me that, and then I want to hear what music you're working on. Oh, um, we're just working on stuff for, you know, a new, a new record that we're gonna be putting out next year. So everything got kind of because we were supposed to tour all summer, which I'm sure you were gonna be, out working too. But uh, yeah. we decided to make better use of the time by, you know, and I, I'm, you know, it's mostly just, just me and a couple other guys like sitting in it. Yeah. It's in a very raw sort of writing phase. So that is awesome and super yeah. exciting about that. You guys have released 12 albums now. Am I correct? Yeah, I think that's insane. <laughs> You're like I've lost track, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 12, 12 and then a couple live record, whatever. But um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm starting I'm to put them out faster now than I used to. Oh, I really? Think it has something to do with getting older. So, you know, yeah. you never know how, how long you're going to be here. So you better put it out. You know. So tell me, is it hard for you to consistently come up with new ideas and things to write about, new inspiration? Or is it something mm -hmm. that you're just kind of always have more to say and more to write about? Well, you know, a few years ago, I kind of hit a hit a wall musically where because I literally sat in a room wherever I was living and I would sit up all night you know you know playing and yeah. uh coming up with songs and working on my own and um I, I just couldn't deal with it anymore I started to feel very isolated and it made me really kind of depressed so so I decided mm -hmm. to call one of my friends who'd been asking me to write with them and um, we kind of forged a partnership and that, that was really great. And, you know, um, I'm friends with Sam Hollander who everybody knows and loves. Yes, and, I love uh, Sam. <laughs> you know, Sam, see, everyone I knows do. Sam. 
<laughs> Nobody has a bad word to say about that guy. He's the best. Yeah. He's amazing. I was texting with him yesterday. And um, so what I like now doing is the collaboration because, because I'm rolling along and I have my way of doing things. And then a guy like Sam comes along and he takes it and he goes, well, let's do this instead. And then it's like, oh, all of a sudden it's something new. It becomes something bigger and better. And I think collaboration at its best is, is that. Yeah. And how long would you say you were kind of just doing it the way you've always done it before you realized, I got to switch this up. I got to change this a little bit. I think it was, I mean, for like on our ninth album, you know, ninth, I don't even remember. What was that? <laughs> magnetic, magnetic boxes, miracle pill. Yeah. So, so magnetic was the album that I really sort of started, um, doing a little more collaboration you know I, we had a difficult yeah. we had a difficult album before that which was uh an album called something for the rest of us and um and that was written you know that was written in a very dark place and the songs are very very dark but you know it was a good record but the record company was very they just put it out and like oh well it died oh what are we gonna do you know but uh but i look back on that record now and i'm, mm -hmm. and I'm very proud of it because it was something that was necessary in my process. Yeah, for sure. I think that sometimes you have to get those kind of emotions out to make, it's very therapeutic writing. And sometimes you have to get that kind of stuff out therapeutically so that you can then move on to other kinds of writing and other kinds of projects. But did you see a big difference that you liked once you started switching up your process? Yeah, I did. I did because um, for, for a couple of reasons. Um, it taught me that there is so much that I do not know and, mm -hmm. and that there's so much that I have to learn. And it was, it was great because it was like sometimes songwriting becomes about your own ego, you know, and, and you're sitting there playing stuff and it's not important what you're doing is not is is not important it's like i mean but we all i have to say this in order to do at least for me in order to do something like this i always i always felt like yeah you, you need a little bit of an ego to to do this but it's but yeah. it, but also you need to have the humility to be honest and you you know and 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 that was the most beneficial part of starting to collaborate with people was the fact that like, I didn't have to have all this ego attached to everything. And, mm -hmm. and that I could, I could come from a more honest place. Um, even if it seems a bit oblique from the outside. Um, and just the fact of having a partner in crime, you know, yeah. and, and having somewhere, someone who's going to sit there and say, that sucks. That's great. You know, those are, those are great things. You know, they're, they're very, they're, they're benefit. And that's how you grow. And that's how you grow. That's how you get better. That's how you maintain a career, you know, and, um, you know, that's what yeah. I'm trying to do. I love that. I love what you, you just shared. Cause I feel like that's a battle that everybody fights where I know I've felt sometimes that in order to feel ownership of some of the things I've done, mm -hmm. I have to feel like I own every part of you know, a piece of every part of the process, but then you step back and find that your team is the happiest when everybody has a, a, a full piece of the process. And, uh -huh. you know, and you find that the work is better. And, and I think that that's so powerfully stated that getting rid of your ego is sometimes the best way to find your voice. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, ego triggers fear. 
And then mm-hmm. fear triggers all kinds of sideways behavior, you know? And yes. um, so if you can keep that in check and just be grateful that you, you yeah. that I have a career that I can, mm-hmm. that I can take care of my family and, and, and doing something that I actually wanted to do my whole life is, is right. pretty astounding. Yeah. So the Goo Goo Dolls were together 10 years before, well, and you'd released five albums before you guys yeah. like exploded. Mm-hmm. I think that is so cool. So I wanted to ask you, what kept you guys grinding it out and going through those first 10 years of trying to figure out how to be a band, you know? Um, you know what? Every time, every time we were discouraged to the point, I, I got very discouraged. Robbie, you know, uh, who's been my partner in the band for the last 10 million years, he, um, mm-hmm. you know, he was always more of a, of a cheerleader. He, he was much more optimistic about everything than I was. But uh, yeah. I was the guy who has to game the worst case scenario because I'm just like that. I, I'm, yeah. It, it's, it's, I'm more comfortable in a dark place. Um, but um, we always had some sort of little victory. And that was the thing was learning to stack up your tiny little victories along the way. Hey, we sold 150 more albums than we did on the last one. Hang on to it. And then yeah. those little victories get bigger and bigger, you know? That's and amazing. Like, and, I, and I know guys who are insanely talented compared to us. And, and um, you know, maybe it just doesn't come fast enough or it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it's not what they thought it would be. And they get discouraged and give up. But it's like, it, was, it was just not an option, you know? Yeah. I love that. You didn't have a plan B because you were like, nope. No. Only option is plan A. <laughs> but you need to... <laughs> you need to burn down plan B. You know, yeah. if you're in your twenties, I gotta say this, if you're, if you're a teenager in your twenties and all that kind of thing, you know, um, and, you, and you're just coming up right at that point, you gotta burn plan B down and that's it. Yeah. Because if you're, going to, if you're going to take all the risks and make all the sacrifices that are necessary to, to have a career, it's gonna cost you. It's gonna cost you friends. It's going to cost you loved ones. It's going to cost you time, money, tears, everything. But it's worth it. You yeah. know, it's worth it because because at some point in time, at some point in time, you just have that first that first breath of air. That's like, wow. Okay, so I have I'm 26 years old and I have three roommates, but at least I get to speak my own truth. You know? Yeah. And I love that you talk about the little victories because no one can go through 10 years of feeling like they're not quite making it without finding the gems along the way. Like there's just no amount of resilience that can withstand not giving yourself victories. And so, I mean, I think right now that's what so many people need to hear, whether it's a teenager that didn't get to go to the prom that they always imagined going to, or whether it's, you know, someone who's just now graduating college wondering how or when they're going to get a job. Like it's a time when mm-hmm. people more than anything need to hear hope that people need hope they now. Need, they need hope and to see like, okay, well, what, what little gems are we going to find along the way to keep us hopeful? Cause it's a yes. scary time for everybody. So I love you know, that. I think, I think what's interesting to me is, is yeah, people need hope. 
but they also need to get off their asses and do the work. You know, America, get off your ass and get to work. And it's not about opening up stores because of this thing. It's about taking care of, of your brothers and sisters in this country and about facing up to power that is mm -hmm. corrupt. And it's about learning to reestablish what the truth is. Um, yeah. You know, and people got to vote, people got to march, people got to do whatever they got to do, because this is our, still our country. And yeah. the very, very wealthy and certain people that are in power don't think that's the case, which is sad. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't want to get on soapbox, but- Hey, I like your soapbox. No, I mean, I was, I was out on Sunset Boulevard, you know, watching a riot, you know, yeah. and, and uh, you know, and I could feel it, man. I could feel the intensity and I could feel people's pain, man. It was, and it, and it was, it's palpable when you, when yeah. you just, you know, the injustice in this country has got to stop, you know? And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, a friend of mine said to me, as the first part of divide and conquer is divide. And what is being done now is we're, they're, we're being divided along these very easy lines to divide mm -hmm. people on, you know, yeah. fear, fear of economic insecurity, fear, fear you know, fear of people of a, another color, all these kind of things. And then divide us as, as, as into these tiny little groups. But it's like, you know, we have to overcome those things. You know, we have mm -hmm. to see what we have to uh, define our similarities. And there has to be a more equitable distribution of the enormous wealth in this country and the enormous opportunities that this country yeah. could present. You know, it's like, yeah, America is a great country, but you know what? You need, you need to go, you need to hit the gym because you're getting out of shape here, you know? And, and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, people talk about their rights, but people need to also understand their responsibility. Your responsibility mm -hmm. comes before you earn your rights by, by taking care of your responsibility. You know? Yeah. And I don't mean to lecture, but it's like, I just no. want everybody to vote. I want everybody to vote. Yeah. I want everybody to grab a broom. Like, you know, leave your corner of the planet a little bit better than you found it. That's the goal. Yeah. You know, that's the goal. And, and right. artists out there, musicians, painters, you know, whatever, you know, you got to leave the world just that much better than you found it, you know? Yeah. I love hearing you talk about this and it's so heavy on my heart right now. Everything you're saying, I think it's heavy on a lot of people's hearts. It is. This idea of like, for some people, it's a huge wake up call of realization that, mm -hmm. whoa, didn't realize things were as bad as they were. Whoa. You know, and then other people are like, I can't believe you all didn't realize this was as bad as it was. So mm -hmm. there's, I feel like, two very different sides. And one thing that I really commend you for is you guys seem like you and the Goo Goo Dolls have always been very philanthropically involved, being involved with like scholarship funds and, yeah. um, you know, Save the Music Foundation, USA Harvest, having your fans donate to food banks at, you know, at events. Like, I think that's so amazing. And you recently raised $25,000 through a live stream concert that you yeah. guys participated in. Yeah, it was amazing. fun. Amazing. Yeah. It, it looked fun. So my question to you is, I find myself and a lot of people feeling overwhelmed right now of like, you know, like I think I spent all day yesterday just researching and walking away like, how can I help? So what is your advice to people who just see all these causes, see all this need and think to themselves, where do I start? Because sometimes that can just almost drown people. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's very scary and the uncertainty is real. I don't know. I think you just got to, you know what? There's great ways. You got two bucks, give somebody one. You know, you got a broom <laughs> out, in the, out in the garage, you know, go, go help some, some person whose little boutique got destroyed, yeah. you know? And it's like, you know, or, or, you know, just donate money, donate time, go check, go check up on the old lady that lives down the street. Yeah. You know? Cause you don't know. You don't I know. I think the, the most powerful thing <clears throat> I hear you saying is like this idea of like lift where you stand, because if we all clean up yeah. our corner of the world, our neighborhood, our street corner, whatever it is, check on your neighbor. If yeah. that's where you help, and if we yeah. all lifted where we stood, like I think the world would all be okay. That's like what I hear. That's you really saying. beautiful what you said, and you need to write that down and then copyright it. Lift where you stand. It's so that's beautiful. Well, thank you, thank you. You said a lot of beautiful things, so you you inspired. Thank you. Um, you know, and I also want to talk about the fact that you are one of five children, which I think is awesome. But even the cooler fact is that. You have all sisters, right? Yes, they're all older than me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, four older sisters. So and you know, it's funny. I'm married uh, to my wife, <laughs> who's a girl, and <laughs> and I have a three-year-old daughter, and her mom and her two nieces. Um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be living with us. So it's like, so oh, wow. it's fun because I'm I'm in a house. I'm the only guy in a house full of women again. And it's, and I, wow. I like that. I like it. I like being the so, only guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's kind of, my dad had, had three girls like growing up. So my dad was in a home full of women too. Yeah. Um, you know, and for most of my life. Uh, so I'm curious, how did being in a home now and growing up full of women, how did that shape you or how does it shape you? I think it shapes you in the sense of, um, well, it definitely shapes your musical taste because oh, yeah. when you, when you have your sisters run from 10 years older than you to two years older than you. Um, yeah. You listen to a lot of their records. And so I think it has an influence on your, on your songwriting. Um, I bet. <laughs> if I had four brothers, I'm sure I'd be playing death metal or something, but, but um, yeah, that, and I think, I think it makes you understand certain things about women i do not claim to understand <laughs> everything about women i'm just i'm just like i think it makes you better at just rolling with it you know what i mean and yeah. it's like and and uh you know i think that i think you just gotta listen you gotta listen man you gotta listen people just want to be heard that you know and mm -hmm. i don't think i mean my sister's very strong and my mother very strong very independent I mean, like always working, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, and I got a good work ethic from them and, you know, but they, they have such a different perspective that I think it, it has definitely affected my perspective on, on, yeah. uh, on the world, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I love that. And so now that you have your own daughter, how has being a father changed your life? Um, it made me the person I should have been all the time, right? Mm. I'm not the first guy to say that, but, but it truly does. Mm -hmm. Because I think about all the stupid dude things that I do, and I'm like, really? How would you? And it always goes off in my mind. How do you think Lily would feel if she knew that about you? 
And I'm just like, okay, I won't do that again. Okay. You know, cause I want her to be proud of me. I want to be her hero. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, it was funny cause my wife wanted to take her swimming and uh, she's like, well, my, my brother will be there. He'll, he'll take her in the And I was like, no, nobody takes her. I'm her hero. At least for a while. I'm the only <laughs> hero she's going to have, you know? Oh, and, wait, how um, old is she? She's three. Oh, that's right. Oh, it's so sweet. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, it was really important for me. Like I wanted her, I want her still because I take her outside and, and just play in the mud with her and just, you know, jump puddles and just do all that stuff. Cause I just, I just want her to be a whole human being before all the gender stuff gets thrown on us. I mean, we, we have so much of that socialization that just gets beaten into our heads. And it's like, and I'm yeah. glad that the world is much more open to a more fluid situation. And that, yeah. that, that def the defining factor isn't, you know, being a good man. That's great. But before you're a good man, you're gonna be a good human, you're gonna be a good person. And I'm yeah. not always a good person. But uh, she makes me stop and pause before I do something selfish. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. She's almost like an addition to your conscious. conscious? She is sitting on my shoulder. <laughs> it's like one of my friends, because, you know, everybody's got a group of those friends on text. And then you, and then you go, oh, it's a text from, oh, what the hell is it? I can't believe they showed me that. <laughs> and then, you know, and then I close the phone. And there's a picture of that little girl. And I'm just like, yeah, maybe you should grow up a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, Aww. okay. All right. Yeah. But I still do That's enjoy amazing. those ridiculous texts. <laughs> you got your yin and yang, you know? You yeah, got both sides you know, now. I your just balance. delete everything very quickly now. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So she can look through your phone and, you know, it's a oh, safe she place. she loves to play with my phone. Yeah. They, yeah. Kids are like addicted to those phones. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> you, now you're too young to have kids. You know? I have nieces and nephews though. So I've been right. actually playing a lot with them out here at the farm and it's been really fun. It's made me like, Ooh, I want, yeah, I want my own little nuggets someday for sure. Yeah. It's a great thing. It's a, it's a yeah. great thing. You know, that's every kid's a blessing. Every kid's a blessing. And it yeah. brings a friend of mine said that to me, a friend of mine who I collaborated with a lot, um, a guy named Greg Wattenberg in New York. And he, mm -hmm. he said, every kid brings its own set of blessings into your life. And he, he said to me, he said to me, after we had, after we had our first kid, my career took off. And I was like, why is that? And he's like, because you have real responsibility. So it motivates you. It, it, yeah. and the motivation I think is, is um, I think the motivation is like, wow, I, I have a real responsibility. I have to take care of this little person. They're completely helpless. You know, so I got to stand up and work hard. I mean, I remember holding my daughter when a few minutes after she was born and just, and just going, okay. First thing I thought was I got to work a lot harder. And then the second <laughs> thing I thought was don't fuck this person's life up. Like, and it's like, okay, we'll see how it goes. I mean, she's three. <laughs> so all my friends tell me I got 10 more years with her before she tells me, you know, Oh, that's damn. a good chunk of time you got yeah this. before the before the eyes start rolling oh no yeah gosh mm. <clears throat> the terrible teens oh i shudder to think i have karma coming my way you know we, we yeah, all do i guess I, yeah i know i think i had karma coming because i knew i was gonna have a daughter i just knew it and i was so happy when i had a daughter yeah um, 
I was so happy because I don't want to chase a little boy around like little boys. Like when I was a boy, I, you know, it's like you love to start fires and break things and just, you know, steal and all that kind of stuff that too much testosterone, you know, does to you. Yeah. Oh man, that's amazing. I love hearing you talk about your daughter and your family and your sisters. It's, it's very like refreshing to hear that, um, that side of your life. And you know, the other side of your life touring. So you guys were actually touring right before, this all kind of lockdown situation happened and you guys have toured for, I mean, like 30, about 30 years. How, uh, well, first of all, do you enjoy touring? Do you still enjoy touring? I enjoy the shows. Mm -hmm. I enjoy the crowd. I I enjoy the people who I recognize in the audience. You know, I enjoy that, that, that that's very gratifying. You know, the traveling gets a little hard, which I'm, you're aware of. You know, yeah. is it gets it gets pretty it gets pretty tough. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's but on the other on the flip side of it, I've toured so long and so much that yeah. when I go home, I don't unpack my suitcases. I take all the dirty laundry out of my suitcases in the basement. I, I do a few loads of laundry, and then my wife and I fold it back up and put it back in the suitcase. And that's where I live my that's life. That's so smart. I know. Well. I come You're just ready to go. Quickly. Yeah, but it just feels weird to empty the suitcase. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like I, I, you know, my wife is like, you can't be half in and half out, you know, but, mm-hmm. but she lets me have that, that little bit of leeway there. You know? Yeah, well, it's almost like you just kind of close up the tour life and then you put it off, you just kind of hide it in the closet and then you're, you can open it up when it's time. It's almost like maybe a mental thing, even just like, yeah, putting that part of your life in a box and then it goes yeah, away. Yeah, compartmentalizing it. You know, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, how are you at the end of a tour? Because you, you tour a lot, you know? I do. And what? How is your readjustment period? Mm. What is that like? <laughs> you get home. I, yeah. Well, for me, touring, I love touring. I really do. I feel like, um, you know how it is. You get a tour family and it's like yeah. its own little family on wheels. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of every tour, it's very much a bittersweet for me. I'm usually mm-hmm. exhausted, but mm-hmm. I, you know, and I'm excited to go home, but I also subconsciously know I'm really going to miss it, you know, and, and I just know that the post tour blues are coming. Yeah. And it usually takes me about a week to two weeks to get out of a pretty like funkalicious state where I'm just like feeling kind of funky and I don't know yeah. my routine. I don't know my place. And I have to remind myself that I do have friends in real life and like, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. yeah. How do you now, deal with do you, that? Do you, do you find it difficult to stay connected with your friends in real life when you're out on the road? You know, yes, I, I do. I feel like it's hard to feel like you're not that person that just is like pops in and is like, hi, I'm back. And then you're gone for months. And you're like, hi, yeah. yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a constant flux. Um, I do. I'm so grateful for modern technology that allows you to yeah. like have much more connection. I feel like in the last, t- you know, since I've started touring, it's definitely become easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what about you? Is is post-tour, you know, the difference between tour life and regular life, is that easy for you to blend or how is that for you? I mean, I always try to jump jump right back into it in the deep end. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I've learned <laughs> that that's not good because it definitely is a bit of a shock. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> you know, so, so um, you know, I, I try to sort of, 
get in, sort of glide in, but it doesn't, it doesn't work. And it's, and I, I get really, I get really depressed, you know, yeah. when, when I'm done with the tour, I get, I get bummed, you know, cause I'm just like, wow, everything is mapped out for you all day. Now I have to find things. I mean, it's been easier since, since, since Lily came along. Um, yeah. Cause I just hang out at home and play with her all day, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and that's fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it is, it's, it's a hard transition. And I find myself feeling disoriented or I feel like I've said Sorry. this to my wife. It's like, I don't know. I just feel like I don't, I don't belong here. You know, sometimes. And it, right. and then, it, and then it wears off. The pandemic was really good for that. Yeah. I, I will I'm say sure. the silver lining was I actually felt like I was at home, you know? And, um, yeah, and that's good. And I, you know, we, we, uh, we took an old like 115 year old house and gutted it and rebuilt wow. it to exactly the way we wanted it. Cause I've always had this thing. Like I never felt like I was home anywhere. I always felt mm-hmm. like an observer where I was even growing up. I always felt because yeah. I was never going to be a hundred percent member of the club of my family because I wasn't female. So there was a certain line that was drawn and I was never going to be able to be closer than I was. So I always kind of felt like an observer of everything. And uh, there's a little bit of safety in that um, because mm-hmm. the, the, the emotional attachments don't have to be as deep, but, but, um, yeah. but I want that and I crave that. And um, <clears throat> you know, it's a struggle. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think you're so right. And I think this is something that every artist faces that, you know, that tug and pull of like feeling separate, but feeling like they don't belong in certain places, especially going from one extreme to the other. And I know one thing that's really helped me is I guess find, I find comfort in like studying things. And I remember when I kind of learned about the lack of dopamine that you face when you get off of a tour, mm-hmm. helped me realize, oh, I actually am experiencing not only like feeling displaced physically mm-hmm. and like structurally but also my body's lacking chemicals that it's used to receiving at 9 30 every night you know right. yeah on a yeah, regular wow. basis this high that my body experiences a in a sense the same kind of thing a drug would do to me yeah yeah I get and it. so you know i think that that helps me a lot when i like dive in but how do you approach like you know i think the perception of mental health has changed a lot over the years and yeah. i think yeah you know, that's something I've definitely had to face in my own ways and figure out. Um, how have you dealt with kind of balancing your mental health through the years of being a touring artist and a family man and all of it? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing that helped is, um, you know, giving up being a blackout drinker. <laughs> that, that helps. That definitely helps. Um, it definitely helps you be more present, you know, because it, yeah. it, it you know, because you know, addiction and that is very, it's a very selfish kind of thing. And you sort of, you, it's a, it's a disease of self-pity. And um, yeah. it, I mean, you know, I mean, there are genetic components to it, I suppose, but. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, and it's, and it's a, it's a true sickness and it is very yeah. real. It's not a character flaw. It's, it's something yeah. that's very real. And you, you described um, something very important that lack of dopamine that you're getting you know mm-hmm. and and yeah um and when i i i you know when i when i quit drinking it was like 
it was like life started again. It was, it was so good. It was so much fun. And sometimes, yeah. sometimes I miss it. Sometimes I miss like, wow, you know, yeah. I can have this nice bottle of wine with my dinner, but then it, you know, it was never a bottle of wine or a martini, you know, it was like, I'm going to stay up for three days drinking martinis, you know, but so, yeah. but that, that, that sort of, uh, grounds you, helps you, you know, and, and learning to be grateful, you know, even for the mm -hmm. things that, that are difficult. Yeah. Know? The fact That's that beautiful. I have to, yeah, the fact that I have to challenge myself to write a better song. Oh my God. I'm going to bitch about that. No, I'm going to be grateful <laughs> because most people would do anything to get to write any song, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. And I guess, um, what was it that gave you the strength to go like I know that addiction recovery and I don't know personally but I know from friends and watching people go through it it's hard it takes a lot of work and it's yeah. intense what was it that like kept you sticking to that resolve to like go through that and get better and find help well you know um it took me 15 years to get one year sober so you know, mm -hmm. I would go do the 30 day dance and rehab and then come out and then, you know, go for a week and then come out. And it's just, you know, I, you know, and people tried to do an intervention on me and do all these kind of things. And it's just like, until, until you reach that breaking point where you're just like, I give up. I can't, I can't control this. I have no control over this. And that's, yeah. that's the hardest thing for someone like me who's a control freak. You know, mm. to just say, wow, I can't control this behavior. I really yeah. need to get help. <clears throat> and then committing to do it. You know, I mean, my father, who was a classic alcoholic, and he, I know that he loved me, and I know that he loved all my sisters, but not enough to, not enough to give it up. And that's yeah. just the thing. You can't, it, it has to be, it's a total inside job. You know, and um, leveling your ego just leveling your ego and, and finding, taking pause and finding the goodness in a challenge, you know? And it's like, yeah. sometimes it's really not fun, but, yeah. but when, you know, and when I'm feeling a little too sure of myself, I, I, I call my wife or I, or I call my manager because they were the two people who dealt with me the most. And I'm like, mm -hmm. so can you tell me, tell me a horror story about, you know, me when I was drinking and then they, and then they'll go into something and I'm just like, <laughs> okay, that's enough. That's enough. I don't want to drink. Whew. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's difficult. I, d I don't wish it on anyone, you know, yeah. but you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's my only regret really is just wasting all the time wasted, all the, all the, all the love and the friendship and the opportunities that were, you know, just, <clears throat> just pissed away because I was terrified of the world, you know? So. Yeah. Oh, that's really powerful. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that um, if you learn from it, it wasn't a waste, you know, in yeah. my own way, I wasted some years and some relationships, but they, those experiences made the ones I have all the more valuable to me. And yeah. I can tell by the way you talk about your daughter and your wife and the people you love that like the, there's a strength in there that came from what you lost. And I think that's really yeah. powerful for I, anyone, especially right now to hear. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It was like, I mean, I really, I mean, I finally got to a point where I, I mean, I didn't care if I died, but I was like, but then 
when I got, when it actually came down to like, you are going to die. It was like, okay, I'll stop, you know, yeah. but um, it's difficult. And if you're going through it, if you're going, any, I mean, anybody watching this, if you're going through it, just, you know, get help. There's no shame involved in it. There's no shame. Yeah. So many people are ashamed of their, of their weaknesses or their flaws. And this, you know, there is definitely a genetic component, uh, you know, uh, obviously a psychological component, um, yeah. you know, a little bit of a spiritual component, you know, and it's like, we need, those are the things that need to be sort of juggling, you know, physical, spiritual, uh, you know, emotion, you know, it's just trying to balance those things is, is, I guess that's the, the existential challenge, you know? Yeah. And it's a lot for one person to figure out all within their own mind by themselves. And, you know, so like you said, just if anyone is struggling with like, whether it's mental issues like I faced or whether it's, you know, drug, like there is so much help and there's no shame, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause it'll only I mean, enrich I, your life. I mean, I was facing my emotional problems by running away from them and drinking. You yeah. Know, among other things, but, and yeah. you know, it, it happens. I'm, I'm grateful that you, you know, dealt with your emotional issues, you know, without turning to drugs or, you know, that yeah. or, or, or alcohol or whatever, because it's just the saddest place I've ever seen anybody. Yeah. is when they truly desperately want to be sober, but they just can't stop. And it is very much mm. so like that. Like it is like, I can't stop. I really yeah. want to stop, but I can't. And it's just, yeah. wow, such a sad place to be, you know? And I mean, I don't know. Well, you give but, a lot of people hope through like the story that you share and your life as an example of someone who can, like it can be done. Like I know it's hard work, but you share that it can be done. So I think that's, yeah. you know, that's an amazing message. And, you know, before I let you go, I also just want to share, um, you know, one, you guys are so fun live. I haven't seen you personally live, but when I was a senior in high school, I got the DVD of the live in Buffalo show you yeah, guys yeah. did where yeah. it like poured rain halfway through the show. Mm -hmm. And so cool. Cause I, I think they had to stop the show because it was yeah, like for a couple of minutes lightning, but then you guys came out and you're like, the show must go on. And, you know, I remember yeah. years ago I was playing at a festival and it started pouring rain and they were like, do you want to keep going? And literally I thought of like that concert and how that concert was like so special because of the rain that almost ruined it. Like that yes. was one of the things that just like, do you, I'm sure you remember that show partially because of what almost destroyed oh, yeah. it. But Oh yeah. yeah. It was amazing. It was, it was, I, I walked, I remember walking backstage, well, up into city hall after, after the show. And I took my socks and shoes off and I'm wringing out my socks. <laughs> and, and I thought to myself, you know, sometimes God just gives you a break. And I, and I was like, what, what are you talking about? It's like that typhoon is going to make this DVD incredible. You know? So yeah. it's not just it was another pouring. concert. It wasn't just like a rainstorm. It yeah, was it like was fun. torrential and it was so cool. And it's just like a cool, like a metaphor for like, sometimes the, what you think might, destroy you maybe is actually what's going to make you the strongest or going to make yeah. you the most special and um anyways i just want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me no, thank you, and to Lindsay. do this song with me you. so yeah, nice to meet gonna, you it's great to meet you i hope we get to talk again and uh okay. it was such a great thing to meet you i'm I, you know 
Yeah. You're well, awesome. I, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate how like raw and open you were and everything you shared. It really was like very powerful. So um, good luck with the, the new album. I honestly am so excited. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay. okay. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. Well, that was awesome. I absolutely love talking to Johnny. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. And um, now I hope that you like our arrangement of his song, Iris. heaven that I'll ever be and I don't want to go home right now cause all I can taste is this moment and all I can breathe is your life when sooner or later it's over I just don't miss you Cause I don't think that they'd understand Where everything's meant to be broken I just want you to know I am And you can't fight Tears that ain't coming Or the moment of truth in your lies Cause when everything feels like the movies Yeah, you bleed just to know you're alive And I don't want the world to see me Cause I don't think that they'd understand Where everything's to be broken I just want you to know I am Oh
give up forever to touch you Cause I know that you feel me somehow You're the closest to heaven that I'll ever be And I don't wanna go home 